Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2011 adaptation of Jane Eyre. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen the film or having, I guess, read the book of Jane Eyre, just be aware there might be some spoilers. Enjoy. Oh yeah, now that now that you've disappeared um, or hidden your camera, it just says the big C there, and it says Cockchester. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Because we're extremely mature with the way that we name things. We are we, on this show. We are. It's what we do. Yep. Ah, oh, what a, what a week it's been. There's England is still in the foot sports. Love Island is back on our screens. They're making a film of Clifford the Big Red Dog. I just don't know where to start. So shall we start with Clifford the Big Red Dog? Because why not? I I were I've never been particularly enamoured by Clifford the Big Red Dog. I it was not something I was read as a kid or something that I read as a kid. Um, I know that other people have uh, are very involved in Clifford the Big Red Dog. Very um, involved, are they? <laughs> yes, it's a huge part of their identity um and their childhood were you one of those people was clifford a big thing for you no i was not i don't remember having it at all when i was growing up it was something i only became aware of retroactively i'm sure i think it's more of an american thing you know a lot of american stuff does make its way over here for kids like sesame street whatever you know my son's a big fan of that and i think we, we watched that when we were kids as well but yeah clifford i don't think was really popular over here yeah i don't i don't i think it was a big um a big thing in America, wasn't it? Whereas over over here, we had, um, what, we had Kipper. We had Old Yeller, Kipper, oh, no, the, the averagely well. sized dog. Did you ever have Kipper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of Kipper books. Yeah, he's still still going old. Mick Inkpen, which I think is the best name for a picture book author ever. Oh, it um, is a great great name. Yeah, but yeah, Kipper, Kipper, the the sort of average normal dog. That's that's what British parents want read to their children. They don't want any big red dogs. They, you know, you know how like British people when they dismiss something as oh that's so American, what they mean is it's it's Clifford the big red dog, isn't it? That's kind of actually quite a good microcosm of stupid people who think that that everything in America is big and bright. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, we're and not rash and in your face. Yeah, but that, that's not what we're about. We're about average-sized dogs that go on mild adventures. Yeah, but genuinely, I would watch any film with that description. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's what we do. Got mis- you know, I don't even care about the size of the dog. I just want to see dogs going on adventures. No, no exactly. But e- even looking at other big British you know, icons of of kids' entertainment, whether it's books or TV series, you know, the other book series is Mr. Ben, where this is a guy who can, you know, he can change outfits to to then um, go into different sort of magic universes. Um, and what does he do in them? He just kind of hangs about and chills. <laughs> There's yeah, nothing... he, he poodles about. <laughs> yeah, he, he just pops about a bit. Um, and so, yeah, it's... Um, Whereas, you know, American version of, of Mr. Ben goes and kills God in episode one. Yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> renders the whole of his dark materials moot. <laughs> Nietzsche's Mr. Ben. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how the Americans want it. Yeah, that's what they want. They want some nihilism. Yeah. Killing, guns. Yeah, he, he, he dresses up as John Wilkes Booth for one very awkward uh, version of the American books. Um, so, so, but the, the, the movie of Clifford, the big red dog, which is coming out this year. Um, it's a thing that they made. It's, it's what it's one of these live action films that they have now where if, if it has to call it a live action film, it's actually not a live action film. Yeah. It's got a giant CGI dog in it. Um, yeah. Which to be it's fair, not like, um, the, the call of the wild where they had a human like who was being the dog that they filmed and then sort of superimposed the dog onto it. They couldn't find anyone big enough to be Clifford the Big Red Dog. No, to, to be fair, um, it's more of a live action movie than, for instance, the Disney Lion King, which is just a CGI film. Yeah. Um, it, Have you seen that? No. Why would I watch that? <laughs> why would I watch Because that it's film? terrifying and weird. <laughs> Yeah, but which is like a lot of what you like. But is it cats terrifying and weird? No. Why would I bother? I've already got. It comes close. Creepy animal things singing. <laughs> no songs. one unzips their skin and steps out of it. To be fair, <laughs> so there's no interest here. Um, but but it's got. It a... does not star Jason Derulo. No, no, unfortunately, I think he'd make a great scar. Um, but um, but yeah, the, the the this live action Clifford the Big Red Dog. It does have real human beings in it as well as the dog. So Jack Whitehall's in it. Um, doing an American accent. Is he doing an American accent? I think so from Amazing. the trailer. Amazing. I watched the trailer earlier and I, I think he was doing an American accent there. Which, you know, good for him for trying to pull that one off. Yeah. John John Cleese is in it as well. Grumpy old John Cleese. Yeah. Um, as the, the, the dog guru figure, obviously. So is this is this going to be the year of Jack Whitehall's big break into um in into Hollywood? Maybe, yeah. Maybe this is this is the one that's gonna do it for him. You know, he's been trying to break in there for a long time, obviously. Um instead of making, you know, Netflix films where he mildly annoys his dad in a variety of different <laughs> situations. You know, he can maybe he can actually do some fiction this time because he's he's apparently in jungle cruise this year as well what's jungle cruise so that is like i'm a celeb but on a boat (laughs) exactly no it's it's another um it's another disney movie based off a ride at one of their theme parks oh right Um, yeah like pirates of the caribbean yes yeah so it's got uh dwayne the rock johnson and emily blunt and jack whitehall in it um i have no That's idea actually a good combo and i like that it's a it's a good good trio isn't it um yeah and so yeah so maybe it's the year that that he 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 gets out of um comedy shows on british television and escapes i'm rooting for him he's, he's done bits and pieces hasn't he apparently he's in the queen's corgi as well oh yeah also um, a dog film that i've not seen well yeah i'm surprised you've not seen it yet I think it's I think it's animated. It is. It's an um, animated dog. Yeah, animated dogs can go one of two ways. It's either you know fantastic or terrible. What would you say is the best animated dog and the worst animated dog? The best is Underdog, obviously. Actually, that's kind of, that's one of those weird live action ones, isn't it? Underdog. Yeah, you've not seen Underdog. I've I've not sure. seen it. 
obviously. <laughs> because I don't particularly care for superhero movies nor CGI animal movies. And it is the, the combination of the two, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is the superhero movie that really bre- breaks the mold, you know, and attracted people from outside the superhero genre to go and watch it. It's like the the Black Panther of children's superhero movies. I see that it's got Amy Adams in it and Peter Dinklage um, and Jim Belushi. I'm sold. Yeah, <laughs> Jim you're down Belushi. with underdog. Jim Belushi. Um, I do like that the tagline on the poster is One Nation Underdog. That is great, um, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, where do you stand on corgis? Speaking of corgis, are you a fan of the corgi? Yeah, I'm a fan of corgis. They're 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 a fantastic shape. There's nothing else on earth that is that shape. <laughs> oh, exactly. They've got like what I love about corgis is they've got like a big hench Johnny Bravo chest. And then if if you stood a corgi upright, <laughs> it would look a lot like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never thought of that, but that's totally true. Um, but then they've got the the big thick booty as well. Like I wish I I wish I was the shape of a corgi with a big thick booty, a big Johnny Bravo chest, <laughs> and tiny arms, <laughs> and tiny tiny arms, <laughs> tiny arms and tiny legs <laughs> and a big booty. Yeah, corgis are the Johnny big Bravo of dogs. Corgis, I got big booty. <laughs> <laughs> big fluffy corgis, big big fluffy corgis. We mentioned that song too many times, yeah, but also never enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know what didn't have big thick dog boys in or Johnny Bravo? Yeah, it's very unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> that, that this week's film didn't contain any of those things or yeah. a massive red CGI dog. Last word on Clifford the Red Dog: It looks terrifying and awful, and I'm sold. Yeah, I mean, it's got the... I haven't seen anything other than the photos, but it seems to have the same energy as the Sonic the Hedgehog movie before they went and changed it all. Yeah, exactly. I I thought that too, and I loved the Sonic the Hedgehog movie after they changed it all. I loved it before they changed it with terrifying, vacant-eyed Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I was very unimpressed that this week's film didn't have that, and it was kind of a letdown because of that, if I'm honest. (laughs) Yeah, no giant CGI dogs, not out of 20. But this week's film was Jane Eyre. Um, Jane Eyre brackets 2011, which, you know, after a month of Adam Sandler is quite the palate cleanser. Well, yeah, I figured we'd go for a... (laughs) To get that out of the way. I I figured we'd go for a rather um, artistic, quite quite serious um adaptation of of a of a great novel as well i i think i'm fair to say that jane Eyre is a great yeah of course i mean i i think i've only read it the once and it's not something i would necessarily like choose to read and i'm sometimes a bit dubious about you know classic literature but it's a really important book from the point of view that books are for nerds so let's not talk about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, no it's it's really important from the point of view of being in the first person and being character driven because up until that point there weren't that many books that had done that if any so it was a real turning point in literature and that's part of the reason why it's so um it's such an important book so that and that is something that you can always appreciate it and when you when you read it or when you see any adaptation of it i think that really comes across and that's one of the reasons why it's been adapted so many times and why um, i've never seen an adaptation of it that i didn't like although admittedly i think i've only seen two or three but all of them i've generally liked so which ones have you seen have you watched the um 
the 2006 television series. Yes, that's my wife's favourite one. So she wouldn't is... actually watch this one with me because she was like, I don't want to see that. It won't be as good as the, the one that I ah, like. That's, okay. always, that's always her way. She's the same <laughs> with Pride and Prejudice. Which well. which is her Pride and Prejudice then? It's Colin Firth, obviously. If it's oh. not Colin Firth, it can, it can get into the bin. See, I... It can at, climb at, into a bin. At some point, we're going to have to talk about Pride and Prejudice and I'm going to have to talk about how, well, obviously we've talked about Pride and Prejudice before via Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, um, which is far, far superior. <laughs> obviously, you throw zombies into the mix is definitely better, but actually I'm going to suggest... Yeah, next up, Jane Eyre and a Bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's the film that I want. Um, it's it's uh, Jane Copious Hair and it's about Jane Eyre with a werewolf in it. Um, uh, that, well, you know, the Kerry Fukunaga's version is very much, it would lend itself to that, wouldn't it? It's got lots of scenes of her sort of wandering about on the moors and stuff. Yeah, it could, <laughs> wandering about on the moors gets bitten by, yeah. a, by a You by could a actually werewolf. make a cut of it where you could use half of the existing footage without having to take it out and then the rest you just add in some werewolf stuff. You can reuse the same score and whatever. Yeah, just just Boom. chuck in an American werewolf in London or the bad uh, 2000s Wolfman remake. And I reckon could... I could do that for $500,000. I think we should do it. Um, but what I was going to say is, bombshell here, I think the 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie is better than the, at times, insipid... TV series of Colin Firth in, which it which is just lot lots of you know handsome but aloof men walking into rooms and saying things. It just goes on for too long, in my opinion. I think the 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 adaptation from two thousand and five. You know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the novel, but I understand its importance, uh, its place in in literary history and, and its importance there. But um, yeah, for me at least, Pride and Prejudice two thousand and five. Um, with Kira Knightley and, and Matthew McFadden is um, superior to the adaptation where Colin Firth gets a bit wet and walks around a bit. And He's that's wet basically, milk. He, I mean, he is a bit wet milk, isn't he? He doesn't have the sass that Mr. Darcy needs. Mr. Darcy needs to have a bit of sass to him. And I think Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Mr. Darcy, he's all about that sass. I love that guy. And um can't even remember who it was, but I love Oh, that what's guy. what's his name? Um it played Ian Curtis in control as well. Um Sam uh, Yes. Uh oh, this is gonna bug me. Sam Riley. Sam Riley. Sam Riley is yeah, a very good very good Mr. Darcy. Matthew McFadden does the same, where he's got that little bit of sass and he's like, mm, I ain't got time for your trivial nonsense. I've got Mr. Whereas, Darcy shit to do. <laughs> it's Colin Firth. He's just like, he's got time for all of this because he's extremely boring and his schedule consists of nothing. He's pure wet milk. Just yeah. the wettest of milk. He's 1% milk. That's how wet milk he is. <laughs> um, he's it's totally skimmed milk, not even semi-skimmed. Um, is skimmed milk wetter than whole milk? Is yeah. Because oh, it's got it's, more water in it. Yeah, it's not as milk. It's, I, I it's see, further yeah. away from milk, so ergo, <laughs> the ergo, wettest of wetter. milk. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pleased to know that your, your other half um, appreciates Jane Eyre 2006, because I'm a big fan of that as well. I think um, Ruth Wilson is a TV great, series, though, right? Yes, yeah. It's a, a little mini-series, wasn't it? I don't think it was particularly... It's only like three or four episodes long. 
Um, a bit like the uh, Colin Firth uh, Pride and Prejudice. As it's known go on by its yes, because yeah. I feel like yeah, I tend to enjoy these kinds of adaptations more when it's a film and it's all packed in. Yeah, and and but I think you you can get more out of it when it's a brooding, deliberately more slow burn thing. Whereas Pride and Prejudice is supposed to be about that kind of bubbliness and the the quick interactions and the wit. Whereas with Jane Eyre, it's more about that subtlety. And it's more about that atmosphere. So I think the, the TV series of that gets away with it a lot better. And um, Ruth Wilson and Toby Stevens are both very, very good in that. But I would say old Fassbender, Michael Fassbender in this, is a very good, handsome Rochester, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's great. They've, they've done that thing that they have to do with Mr. Rochester, which is to give him mutton chops to make him look ugly, but he's still handsome. <laughs> yeah, you've got to have the mutton chops. Um, everyone, every man has got to have mutton chops. You know, speaking of wet milk, you've got um, <laughs> Jamie Bowers, St. John Rivers. Um, St. John Rivers. Yeah, who is um, who is pure wet milk. Yeah, what, a, he, what a loser. I think Soy he boy is beta cut. <laughs> He if is even wetter than one. Colin Firth, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, definitely. Colin Firth, um, Mr. Darcy. But but I think I think in general the 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 casting here um is very good. You've got um Mia Vosrikovska, who's very good as Jane Eyre. You've got Michael Fassbender as as old Rochi himself. Old um, Rochi, is that old the name Rochi. we're <laughs> yeah, that's what they, that's what his friends call him. <laughs> Um, but you've also got, you know, Holiday Granger, who's very good as Diana Rivers. Um, you've got uh, the, the, the Cat Queen herself as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a direct line from this film through to cats. <laughs> it's a very similar role, actually, isn't it? That's it is. Matriarchal, yeah, matriarchal yeah. Um, moral centre uh, that cleans herself with her hands yeah. and, her, and her tongue. Um, I've almost um, forgotten that. Yeah, I know. How could you ever forget anything about cats? Um, but obviously, um, you know, Jane Eyre is one of those one of those works that's been adapted so many times. You know, it's had a, a million um, TV adaptations and a million film adaptations going back to the silent movie era. Um, mm, yeah, Jane I was reading about around. this actually. I think it's really interesting how many silent films that were made of it. I guess they their ideas were limited. In the, back in those days so there was only so much that they could base things on but yeah it is amazing how many of those there were yes yeah exactly um but it you know it, it kind of just ties itself into the legacy of this work that it is so often um adapted and and altered and obviously i think we both read wide sargasso sea Yes, that um, was on our first year reading list, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, which is a very interesting sort of prequel mm. retelling that casts the story in a very different light. And for me, at least, I can never watch or read Jane Eyre without thinking of White Sargasso Sea. Yeah, um, and, and the it way gives that you it f- that post-colonial element as well. Yes, yeah, and it, it focuses heavily on on the, the story of, um, of, the, of, the, of the wife, um who's seen as this kind of terrifying force in the original novel and in in subsequent adaptations but here there's a lot more um you know like you said it talks about colonialism and it's it's really interesting that it that it does that yeah and it gives you the impression that um you know she was driven to madness by him rather than that in the original and the the main story of Jane Eyre that she just was mad <laughs> yes yeah 
Yeah. Oh, she's mad. Um, okay. <laughs> what else do you want to, what else do you want to um, tell us about this? Nothing. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, Cause in those days it was just like, oh, she, she's mad. And he's done her a great kindness by not like carting her off to the asylum. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? It's just ridiculous. Um, interestingly enough, there was a um, a TV adaptation of that in 2006, which I think was the same year that the Jane Eyre adaptation came out. Oh, of um, Wide Sog SOC? Of Wide Sog SOC, yeah, yeah, with Rafe Spool as Rochester. I did not um, know that. Which, yeah, I've never seen. Um, but it would be, yeah, it'd be interesting to to check it out um, and and see, see how good it is. Um, but yeah, but my my sort of uh, my my point that I was making before I got sidetracked by just how many adaptations there are is that how do you take something which has been revisited so often and make it worth watching when there's so many other versions out there that do such an excellent job of adapting this work and also make it not seem like a cash in, right? Like you just yeah. like the studios just looking around going, "Oh, what stuff is there that we could film that we've got the rights to that we know will get people through the door?" This is what you want, you hogs. It's it's you know it's the Marvel universe for people who think that they're clever and read books, isn't it? Yeah, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You, you know, you have um, you have Samuel L. Jackson and uh, turning up in the the, the post credit sequence of Jane Eyre, saying, "Jane, we need you for a very special team." <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, then the next movie turns up in his Mary Barton um yeah just going after all of the 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 slightly darker epic works of literature from the era yeah. at the end she she turns up in the ruins of thornfield hall and it's just samuel l jackson is standing there going i've had it with these motherfucking snakes in this motherfucking hall they burned the hall down <laughs> that's not even marvel that's just something else but I that is that, that is snakes on a plane which we should watch at some point i don't think we can get away with watching it for this podcast what's um, unromantic about a snake coming up a toilet in a plane and biting a man's dick <laughs> i mean they they do spray the snakes with pheromones to make them angry and horny oh that's so, right horny snakes yeah so the, there's there's a lot of snake love going on yeah um <laughs> But um, anyway, right. But yeah, what what do you do aside from just make a very good movie? And I think when it comes to Jane Eyre 2011, what they do is make a very good movie with excellent cinematography and potentially make it darker and more gothic than the adaptations that have come before it. It certainly looked dark. I don't know yeah. about you, but I was like trying to adjust the contrast on my laptop because it was so bloody dark. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that's um, you know that this is a movie that I think Jane Eyre sometimes get gets unfairly chucked into some of the other novels from not necessarily the same era, but it's seen as oh, this is a movie for chicks. This is a book for chicks. I'm gonna go read the Da Vinci Code or what's that SAS guy? Andy McNabb. I'm going to go read Andy <laughs> McNabb because that's a yeah. real man's books. Is what blokes read. Blokes, blokes want to read about SAS bullshit. They want to read about hard men who eat black pudding and then shoot people. <laughs> yeah, like Bear Grylls. Which I assume is what happens in every Andy McNabb novel. Um <laughs> They don't want to read about a house in the olden days, even if there is a big fire. No yeah. one cares about that. Boring. Um, <laughs> um, and and I think you know it's a it's a novel that's actually um, 
it's it's almost a you know a psychological drama um much more so than a romantic novel and i think that's the kind of thing that um that that this version really wants to portray is you know they're there's a lot of focus on the the grim world that Jane Eyre is in, the difficulties and the structures of the world and how trying to change that and, and trying to circumvent those actually is incredibly difficult. And, um, you know, you see that come up time and time again with these people that stand outside of the norms of the society at the time and how every time they, they fail generally. Um, and I think that's a that's an interesting way to do it. And you know, this is a uh, it's a story with a lot of dark, horrible moments. And it's a, a film that that shows that as well, rather than sugarcoating it, rather than trying to make it more nice for the audience. Yeah. So I, I think it's a film that is it's a it's a dark adaptation of it for sure in in lots of ways. You know, as I said, it, it literally looks quite dark, but it's it, it certainly highlights the darker aspects of the novel, but I feel like it doesn't dwell on them either. I feel like the balance that it has between the darkness that's there in the content and between the moments of her being genuinely happy with Mr. Rochester and the moments of her feeling like she's not just this kind of downtrodden, plain orphan, you know, the where that often comes across and is a bit overdone, I think, in the adaptations. I think it actually balances those things out really well. Um, and it makes it makes it quite a good watch. And I think part of that is to do with the casting. Um, the, the all the actors perform those elements of it really, really well. And especially Michael Fassbender, he's actually, even though he's supposed to be this sort of um, aloof and sort of quite intimidating figure, even from the word go, I think he's actually quite fun, and he brings a sense of um, a sense of joy and playfulness to it that you don't expect, and that contrasts with the the darkness of a lot of the content quite nicely. I think. Yeah, he's got a roguish charm, which I think is really needed. Um, and I think you know, like like you said, that the casting here is great um, from top to bottom. Um, Mia Wasikowska does a perfectly acceptable Yorkshire accent. Yeah. Um, which is a surprise because even, you know, English people struggle to do a Yorkshire accent if they're not from Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, I so don't know. Don't know fair, if I could. No, yeah. Fair, so fair play to her. She pulls it off really well. Um, and I think is very good in the role of Jane Eyre. Um, and, 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 and I think it all comes together to form. And, and like you said, it's a good balance, this movie. It's not Michael Bay's. Um, Michael Bay's Jane Eyre. It's not full of explosions <laughs> and action. It's not Zack Snyder's Jane Eyre, where it's just constant darkness. Um, it's not Adam Sandler's Jane Eyre, where it's, it's fart, fart jokes, jokes every ten minutes. Um, but instead, I think this is a pretty faithful adaptation. Um, which yeah, I there's appreciate. nothing where you look at it and go like, "Oh, that's massively different from the book," or even in spirit and tone. There's nowhere where you look at it and you're like, oh, well, that's vastly different from the book. It just sort of really highlights the gothic elements in a way that works for film today. And I think that's a, that's a real achievement and that is good. Um, you know, you, you're saying, what can you do with this uh, this kind of adaptation at this time, 2011? And you're like, well, yeah, a lot of adaptations have been done. So let's just make a competent film. 
you know, sometimes you don't need to do more than that. Sometimes that is enough. And so there's part of me that thinks maybe it would have been cool to try and do something a bit more out there, but it might have just been irritating. So yeah, if, in if a way, I'd... you just think it's fine to just to have just made a good film. If Adam Sandler was playing both Rochester and Jane and farting constantly, <laughs> Jane you know, and that's Jill. A, that's a <laughs> Jane and Jill. Um, ro- no, Rocky and Jane. He's oh uh, yeah, old, old Rocco. What's the name, old Rocco? <laughs> Okay. Oh, Rochi. Rochi, yeah. Rochi's um, modern life. But but our 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 our, our fave friend, director Carey here. Um, I just wanted to read you a quick quote about um about why they sort of focused on the the gothic elements and really made sure that they were they were here. Um. And, and so here's a quote uh, where he said, I've spent a lot of time rereading the book and trying to feel out what Charlotte Bronte was feeling when she was writing it. That sort of spookiness that plagues the entire story. There's been something like 24 adaptations and it's very rare that you see those sorts of dark sides. They treat it, treat it just like a period romance. And I think it's much more than that. And I think that really, they really found success there um, where this is, this is this ain't your grandma's Jane Eyre adaptation. <laughs> um, this is no BBC Six parter. <laughs> this Hell is no. a, a and and you know I I do think that that 2006 adaptation pretty much nails that feeling. Maybe not as well from a cinematography perspective, but I think in the character performances and and the pacing really matches it. But this really gets what Jane Eyre is about. Um, and it really gets the tone of the novel perfectly like like you know rather than it focusing on the romantic elements it it encompasses the entirety of the work and i think you know you don't get that in every jane Eyre adaptation and i really respect that they decided to be challenging by actually doing an adaptation of what the work was about which i really like yeah but at the same time the thing that i liked most about it was the romance and the chemistry between them which is often, you know, not very apparent because, yeah, they choose wet milk people to play them or they spend so long on all the walking into rooms and saying things that actually they forget to have scenes where they are just having fun and, you know, and where they have chemistry together. And I think it it peppered those throughout it in all of the right places as well. I thought the pace of it was really good, even though the pace of it seems very strange after you've been watching adam sandler films for a month it's like this film is two hours long and that feels very very long but it still somehow felt shorter than jack and jill <laughs> yeah exactly you know this they don't leave out stuff really here you know 10 um, minutes into this film all you've had is rain and atmospheric sad violins and her knocking on doors and maybe a little bit of childhood flashback you've got no idea what's going on 10 minutes into something like billy madison it's still you know here's a nice piece of shit yeah 10 minutes in he's already lit some poo on fire drunk driven down to pick up some porno mags and said a lot of sexist slurs yeah <laughs> you know? and you know, you've already had 15 fart jokes at that point yeah yeah exactly um but yeah so i i appreciate the way that it really handles its pace because although it is a long you know it is a long film but i don't think it necessarily feels it i think you you get involved in the atmosphere and it kind of envelops you um, like the fog in the moors. Did you just hear a loud noise? I just heard a weird buzz. What did you do? I just plugged in my laptop. Oh. <laughs> yes. Are we still recording? Yeah, we seem to be. Oh, oh well. well then let's carry on. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> don't don't unplug or 
plug in your laptop again, otherwise it's going to sound like the beginning of Firestarter by the Prodigy. Yeah, it totally did, yeah. <laughs> it's um, the ghost of Bertha, clearly. Ghost of Bertha. Is inside the machine. Um, so, <laughs> what was I saying before that? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> before Keith Flint jumped in. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? I think um, what you said was change my pitch up, smack my bitch up. Let's take it from there. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, like I, I think I was saying, you know, this this has the kind of enveloping atmosphere as the the fog on the moors, um, really. And and shout out to the the location of this movie is super mm. super good. Um, it really you know, at least in my mind, when I was reading the novel, I was basically picturing this in my head. Yes, I, I would say the same thing. And I think often when these kind of adaptations are more towards that sort of BBC Sunday night drama, I find that actually, yeah, they don't always touch on those elements of the book, do they? The The deeper and darker elements. So, you know, I'm very glad that we got the chance to have those explored because it, it reminds you that these kind of novels do have these hidden depths, don't they? A lot of people probably think, oh, it's some some bullshit I had to study in English class, but actually it's worth exploring them through these kind of films to to find that depth in them. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's a challenge to um, to be able to avoid the... Um, avoid the tropes that these movies often fall into and instead actually focus on the thematic elements that make these novels unique in the first place. You know, the the period drama or the period romance, that's a really far-reaching genre of movie or genre of novel. Um, and, and as you say, do... they're always lumped in together and it's yeah, not usually yeah. fair. And and to be to be honest, I'm one of those person I'm a person who often does that kind of lumping. So I feel a bit bad about that. Um <laughs> for sure. Because you yeah. know, I wouldn't necessarily choose to watch something like this, you know. I wouldn't gravitate towards something like this. Um and often, yeah, these kind of adaptations you see them and I think, oh, they're all the same, yeah, boring people in very expensive costumes walking into rooms and saying things and whatever. But then every time I watch one, I generally tend to enjoy it. So it's just like, yeah, I always get captivated by something. Yeah, I mean, you compare you compare Jane Eyre 2011 to Emma from last year. Um, and on paper, you'd probably think, oh, these two, these two films are going to be similar. They're both based on old romantic dramas from from the 1800s um but actually was that the one where johnny flynn was our dad yeah johnny flynn's our dad (laughs) Um, um, yeah and it's a great movie it's you know incredibly funny incredibly clever very bright vibrant fast-paced witty dialogue and then you compare that to this brooding candle-lit brutal oppressive gothic drama um of Jane Eyre and they're completely different films you know just because they're both lumped in the same category doesn't mean that you can't experiment and create something faithful people are wearing old clothes in them is the problem it's very confusing <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly um so so yeah it's it's a, i think this is a very successful film Johnny Flynn is he's playing David Bowie in a film isn't he he oh, is, is. Out already huh. 
Um, I didn't yeah, realize this had come out already. There's a bit of controversy around it because I'm not sure whether everybody within Bowie's family has approved of them doing it. Right. I um, see. Which has caused a bit of um, a bit of uh, controversy. Um, where it's also not been getting very good uh, reviews, apparently. Oh, right. Maybe this is something we should check out. Um, which, yeah. Um, someone referred to it as velvet garbage. <laughs> I, I like that. Um, so, yeah, maybe we should, we should, um, uh, Maybe we should we should watch it at some point. Um, it's worth noting that yeah, the the Bowie's estate didn't approve um, to, to any rights to use his music. Oh dear! Uh, so has it got no music in it? So I think it's got him performing covers of songs that he performed during the time period where it's set. Because I think it's a very specific time period, isn't it? Um, I don't so know. It's, it's it's all about like the first tour of the u.s and him creating ziggy stardust right i see um so i think it's kind of it's more specific than something like rocket man which has a very far reach which could be interesting but it's not again it's not got the support of his family or his estate uh which i think means you should probably take it with a bit of a grain of salt that actually sounds really bad and not necessarily in a good way. <laughs> no, no, not in a good way. In a potential in a shit way. piece, but yeah, it could have been a shit piece if they'd done it right. But yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure about it, to be honest. Why would our dad do something like that? <laughs> Why would he do something like this? Um, but uh, but yeah, it's um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh Jane Eyre. Famous Bildungsroman, to use the yeah. German, um, which is a great little novel, uh, a great little genre of novel, isn't it? You know, um, had lots of great, great examples of those. Yeah. A young person learns about themselves and changes and stuff. Yeah, they grow. Um, you know, you've got stuff like Great Expectations, which is another book that I really like. Another um, one that's adapted by the BBC and is on at Christmas every three to four <laughs> every years. Yeah, every year. Um, <laughs> Um, but even through to things like, um, uh, I don't know if you've ever read Bright Lights, Big City. No. Um, which is What's a, that? it's a very uh, interesting novel from the 80s, written in the second person, which I'm not sure if you would hate. You might mm. hate it. Um, I can't, cannot think of a novel written in the second person that I've read that I did like, but I don't think I've read very many, to be fair. Yeah, I don't think it's done very often, and I think this is one of like the, the quintessential successful versions of it. And basically it's about this guy who, he works for a magazine in New York, gets incredibly hedonistic and sort of wrapped up in it, and then tries to find his way out before this spiral destroys him basically oh, okay um, it's, it's it's kind of like a it's, it's similar to the kind of stuff that brett easton ellis was writing before he did american psycho i suppose um oh, okay. that sort of darker coming of age thing about the realities of of living in a, in a in a hedonistic environment so that sounds like the kind of thing i would enjoy yeah give it a go it's an interesting novel um but yeah, yeah less I, than I, zero was a book of brett nurses that i did really enjoy i think that's actually his first book isn't it i think so yeah and yeah less than zero's um 
I suppose it's almost the anti-buildings Roman, isn't it? <laughs> Less <Yeah>. than zero. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, that that's a that's a great novel. I think it's one of his best as well. Um, bad people discovering that they are bad people. <laughs> <laughs> bad people doing bad things and then continuing to do bad things. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's a genre of novel that I think you know. There's a reason why it's so successful. Um, because you can have that growth in it and i think again that kind of growth is shown in the in the the movie adaptation as well i think it really understands that her progression is important to the to the viewer um to help give it that kind of um agency i suppose instead of being wrapped up in this wider story of there's a woman in the attic he's got mutton chops (laughs) yeah mutton chopped man is aloof will he marry you yeah, and it gives her more of a more of an agency than you sometimes get in these kind of films. Yeah, for sure. You often think that it's just, oh, is she going to be proposed to by him or by her creepy cousin who's a priest? Yeah, exactly, creepy, creepy priest cousin, creepy wet milk priest cousin. <laughs> the worst kind chops. of the worst kind of wet milk. Yeah. But yes, I appreciated her journey throughout the film as well. But at the same time, it didn't feel overdone either. You know, often in these films, they they go to so, to great lengths to prove to you how much people have been on that journey. And it's like, actually, that's not necessary. Sometimes, you know, at the end of the film, she is still only 19, right? Yeah. nineteen twenty. Yeah, exactly. So it's like she's still very, very young, but she still learned and changed a lot in that time. And she goes up and finds Mr. Rochester at the end on a bench. And it looks like a scene from Wild Mountain Time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's about to become all Irish and pastoral. (laughs) Thankfully, a lot better than Wild Mountain Time. And Michael Fassbender's half Irish. He could have done that film. He could have done done it better. (laughs) He could have done it better. Um, What is old Fassy up to these days? Well, I was going to ask you about this because you know about driving cars fast around a track. That's what you like. He's a racing man, apparently. I did not know this until today. He did. um, Yeah, he does. um, Is it Le Mans he currently does? Yes, I believe so. And he does sports car racing. Um, And so I caught, actually, a, a race of his... Um. Uh, in the he he did a guest appearance in the sport in the Porsche Super Cup, uh, which was one of the races before the Grand Prix at um at Spain that year. And I was like, oh, let's have a look and see how old uh, Fassbender is going to do in this race. And then he was involved in a crash on the first sort of starting straight. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> never got to see him. Um, but yeah, he's he's involved in 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 motor racing. Um. Which is interesting. It's 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 always fascinating when you see, you know, what actors want to do outside of acting and what their passions are. And often it's I want to make really bad music. That comes up an awful lot with actors. Yeah. Um like so Elon quite, Musk with his don't doubt your oh vibe. God. Elon Elon Musk acting and well, anything Elon Musk touches is cringe. His yeah. his his business, his music, his acting his writing, anything, his tweets, all, all pure cringe. Everything he touches um, turns to cringe. Yeah. <laughs> Shit Midas. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's nice to see um, old Fassbender going for something a bit different than just being in a bad rock band like Johnny Depp. 
he has yeah. a really interesting CV and film as well. I think he's a really interesting guy. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, he's he's gone all over the place. You know, you think about him in in films like Shame, um, but equally, you know, having fun in in corny action films like X Men, um, being in uh, the Alien movies in as the only good thing about the most recent Alien films is the 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 nonsense cyborg man. Um, yeah. who, who plays a space fleet? <laughs> um, you, you've seen Prometheus, not, haven't you? No, I haven't. Oh, man. a cyborg man who plays a space fleet. Yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, he's he's a cyborg man who plays that sounds a, like something from a spin-off from the Fifth Element. He plays a space flute, and then in the second one, he plays two cyborg men. One's evil and one's good, and you're not quite sure which one's which. Um, and then they nearly kiss. You nearly get Fastbender on Fastbender action, which is Ooh. brilliant. Um, but uh, but yeah, he's he's done some really interesting stuff over the years. Um, and he did um, Frank, which is the like a thing of a Frank side bottom. bottom. Yeah, 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 which I've not seen, but I've heard is great. No, I've um, I've heard that's that's really good. Um, he's going to be in a remake of the Wild Bunch, which is uh, directed by Mel Gibson. Oh no! Uh, uh, the Wild Bunch. What was the uh, original? It's a uh, it's a uh, um, western from the sixties. Um, he's going to be in David Fincher's next movie called The Killer. I assume about some kind of killer. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's about um, Brandon Flowers. <laughs> okay, The Killer. Just ignore the other members of the band. Yeah, um, it, it is. And the Killers. It is apparently based on a graphic novel oh. um, by a, a French person called Alexis Nolent. Do you know this person? No, I do not. Um, well, he's, he's done a comic book called The Killer. It mm. follows the life of an unnamed assassin. Okay. I'll probably watch that. I like David Fincher. I like Michael Fassbender. I like French people. Yeah. Did you did you see him in um, the Steve Jobs film, Steve Jobs? I did not see him in the Steve Jobs film, Steve Jobs. I watched that. He was actually very good in that. That's the one written by Sorkin, isn't it? As opposed to the, um, yes, one, with the one with Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher, which is just called Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, you know that in five years' time or like 10 years' time, we're going to get the same thing about Elon Musk and there's going to be Elon Musk and then just <laughs> and Musk. Musk, Bill Gates, and then Gates. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's also in one of my favorite terrible movies of all time, um, where he's in the movie called The Snowman. Um, oh, before I talk about The Snowman, also shout out to the 2015 adaptation of Macbeth, which is totally awesome. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Everybody listening. And you, Paddy. It is I, super... I'm open to that. It is super good. It's very abstract and weird and creepy. Marion Cotillard is Lady Macbeth. It's so awesome. Um, so yeah, everyone go and watch it. It's my favorite Shakespeare adaptation. It's so good and so different. Um, but yeah, going from the sublime to the ridiculous, um, the snowman is based on a Joe Nesbo novel. About, oh, right. Yeah. About a man who kills people and builds a little snowman afterwards. Um, it is extremely terrible. There's all sorts of absolute disastrous stuff going on behind the scenes. It seems as though the the creation of it was absolute hell. Um, oh, so no. it's actually it's actually 
you know, it's worth watching it and then also reading up on. And there's a couple of great documentaries on YouTube about the making of um, of, of the movie. Um, and it's really worth finding out more about how this film just somehow managed to be created in spite of all Oof, of its huge problems. Poster. I'm just looking at it now. He plays the, the titular character, which I believe in, it is pronounced Harry Hula in the original language, but it just reads as Harry Hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they called him Harry Hole, um, yeah. which is great. Um, but yeah, it is apparently an absolute disaster. Oh, Val Kilmer's in it. Val Kilmer's in it, yep. Um, so Henry Batman. Um, so <laughs> apparently... Um, Here's something from Alfredson, who who directed it, um, Thomas Alfredson. Um, Our shoot time in Norway was way too short. We didn't get the whole story with us. And when we started cutting, we discovered that a lot was missing. It's like when you're making a big jigsaw puzzle and a few pieces are missing, so you don't see the whole picture. Oh, no. Um, uh, It happened very abruptly. Suddenly we got noticed that we had the money and could start the shoot in London. Uh, so that's when they started it. So again, there was no planning from the production company from the sounds of it. Um, so yeah, absolutely just disastrous creating this. And there's all sorts of sort of continuity issues and everything all the way down. Um, so yeah, go and watch the snowman if you want to see a real train wreck. Um, and also unexpected hilarity where it goes like, I'm an evil killer snowman basically um it's super, <laughs> say, super i'm just imagining the film jack frost right now <laughs> if only if only <laughs> oh dear um but yeah yeah fassbender though you know he's a very interesting actor he's been in a lot of great stuff um and he's really varied but i i really like him in jane eyre i think he's a real real force that keeps the film together I think he's great, and I'd really like to see him in more romantic lead roles, whether that's in a drama or like some kind of rom com. I would love to see him in. I want to see him in an Adam Sandler movie. Yes, exactly. He could be the the sort of Al Pacino figure in in the, the Sandler's next one, couldn't he? Yeah, I could. I definitely watch that. Definitely watch that. Him and Rob Schneider could trade insults. <laughs> love it. Um. Anyway, right. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about about Jane Eyre at all? Um, no, I, I think I've. Um, I think we've covered it well. Actually, I, I think it's it's very very good. I'm not necessarily going to watch it again. I, I would if I was with someone and they wanted to watch it, maybe. But I think it's it's good. It's it's cromulent, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very good film. Again, you know, I. I like this film and I've rewatched it a few times. It's not something that's on my constant watch list. Um, but then it's it's such an oppressive film that I don't think you could watch it too often. No. So, yeah, it's not necessarily your, like, um, you know, Sunday afternoon, like, lighthearted film. But you, ha- you probably have to be in the mood for it. But if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. And, you know, even if you think you don't like period dramas, you think you don't like, as you say, the, the films that kind of all get lumped in, together into that bucket by people like me if you think you don't like them then you know give it give it a go it's good it's, yeah. it's worth your time especially if you want something that is just a little bit gothic but isn't really scary you know it's it walks that line very very well you believe the chemistry between them certainly the romance is there it's yeah it's well worth a look 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, uh, I'd 100% agree. Um, just a couple of bits of trivia. Um, so uh, you were right that it is dark because actually to help create the gothic atmosphere, uh, many shots were lit exclusively by firelight or candlelight. Ah, okay. Um, which is part of the reason why it does feel that that dark and oppressive. I like that. Um, <laughs> here's a good one. While shooting the climactic post-wedding scene between Jane Eyre and uh, Mr. Rochester, filming had to be stopped repeatedly because Michael Fassbender's suspenders kept breaking and had to be re-sewn. um which is great and then uh the location used for the reed's home uh is the same house where gosford park was filmed all right that's Um, a good film yeah have we talked about Uh, gosford park before? no we haven't seen that in a a long long time so yeah it's a very very good film we should uh watch that sometime um but yeah so how are we going to rate jane Eyre? uh let's see how many years are you going to leave it before you shave your mutton chops off? Oh, I'm going to have very lengthy mutton chops, so I'm going to have 15 years of mutton chop growth. Yeah, I, I think that I totally agree with that. Excellent, excellent. 15, 15 mutton chops. So, yeah, good, good chunky mutton chops, those. Very good, very good. Right, so it's your choice next. What do you have for me? It is. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a um, a tough choice after something like that, isn't it? Because we've, we've done our month of Sandler nonsense. We've now had something relatively highbrow as a sort of palate cleanser. So it's it's sort of where do you go? Where do you go from there, really? But I think you know we haven't done anything that's been that weird really for quite a while. So do you want? Do you, I was thinking either we do something that's a bit weird or a bit a bit more out there, or we do something that's kind of our real bread and butter classic rom com kind of thing. So, what do you want? Do you want the the classic rom com option or the the weird option? Oh, you know me; I've got to go for the weird option. Good. In which case, <laughs> we're doing the um, the Lion King as as a form mentioned. Oh God, no! <laughs> God's sake. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I'm so unhappy with you, Paddy. <laughs> oh, good. As if, as if a month of Adam Sandler wasn't bad enough. <laughs> I thought, yeah, at the end of Sandler, I was like, okay, I've done it. I won't have to watch any bullshit for a while. And now you've got fucking horrifying CGI lions singing in my face. Yeah, literally in your face. Yeah. And there's not just horrifying lions as well. There's warthogs. <laughs> there's a young warthog. Oh, dear. Yeah, so there it is. I'm looking. I'm. I have seen it already, so I'm looking forward to watching it again. I'm not watching it. Well, I will watch. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm not looking forward to watching it for the first time. But, so uh, you're going to protest by not watching it, and then I'm just going to talk at you about it I'm for just an gonna, hour. I'm That's what this show about. is going to descend into, and I'm then just... you're going to choose something I don't want to watch next time. So I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> is this yeah. how it ends? This is how it ends. Is just us talking <laughs> for an hour to ourselves and then you're yeah. going i'm still not gonna watch it it's gonna be me explaining like the plot of the lion king to you in really minute detail and actually singing all the songs as well i mean i'd i'd enjoy that not gonna lie yeah i actually think our listeners would too yeah a bit of bit of bit of song action yeah and then we could do mamma mia just for old time's sake 
<laughs> digging it, digging it. Yeah, but but um, yeah, Lion King next time. It's Lion King 2019, I think it is. I kind yeah, of remember because yeah, time right. time is not important anymore. Time, time is not real. Time matters not. Time is a construct. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we we hope you really enjoyed Jane Eyre. As I said, it's it's well worth checking out. Um, you can get us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can find us in the emails Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail There's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's like a tip jar if you like what we do. Um, other than that, all that remains left to say is thank you, and we'll be back next week to talk about the Lion King, the recent bad one with the, with the real <laughs> lions. With the with the real lions, real lions. This is about as real as Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, God's sake! Alrighty, bye bye, bye.